0: Well, we are in our third message in this passage of Scripture, which I have called a full passage because we've got three messages where we are in this area again. We're back in uh, Ephesians, and I'm going to ask you, if you will, to take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at the last part of this passage today, verses 18 through 21, and... uh, there is an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along this morning and take some notes as we go along today and uh, want you to uh, be able to jot things down as, as the Lord speaks to you this morning. Uh, before we get into this, we need to refresh our memories of what we've talked about already. Um, last week we, we talked about uh, how we are called to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that way we can live our lives as God intends us to. We are to seek wisdom and understanding through the help and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about last week how important it is for us to be careful of how we live. Not, We shouldn't be a fool. We should seize moments. And we should think before we act, and we should understand what God wants us to do. So, we're going to pick it up here in verse 18, and my first point this morning is this idea of under control. Look what verse 18 says again. Now, I know we've we've looked at this verse, and I think it was three or four weeks ago, so I just want to remind you. This verse says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And we said, well, why does Paul use this? Why does he throw in this idea of don't get drunk with wine in the middle of all the things he's talking about? When someone is drunk or intoxicated, it affects the way they act. You can look at somebody quite often and go, I think that person's drunk. Or what, what would people used to say? Tipsy? Three sheets to the wind? Uh, whatever else people would say. They got a snootful what tore up up? okay fair enough they're a little lit whatever so it it affects the way they walk what they say it affects the way they uh, talk it affects the way they think and for many people it affects their personality when someone is drunk it influences so many things and you might say everything about them But when we look at the second half of the verse, it says, instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Paul is saying that there's always going to be something that influences us and controls us as people. And that needs to be the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand this, that as Christians, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, you already have all of the Holy Spirit, But Paul is saying we need to let the Holy Spirit have all of us and learn to surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit will affect everything about us. It will affect the way we talk. It will affect the way we walk, the way we think. It will affect our personality. We will have a perspective of life that those in darkness cannot have. And when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, it influences everything about us. And Paul says there will be evidence of this. So, what is the evidence? That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. I want to talk about spirit evidence. And there's some things in there that you can fill in as we talk about what are some of the evidences that the spirit is in control. Here's the first thing. It will be evident in our communication with each other. It will be evident in our communication with each other. Look at verse 19. It says this Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. So let's take a, a few minutes and talk about what, what he's, he's uh, saying here. And I've heard people say a lot of times, Well, what is a psalm? What is a hymn? What is a spiritual song? Well, I mean, we could ask that question in the, in, the, in the modern vernacular, but the truth is we have to think about this from Paul's perspective and in Paul's day. So I want to share a few ideas with you. Let's talk about psalms for a second. Literally, a psalm is a poem written to be sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. That is the definition of a psalm. So does that mean every time we read from the book of Psalms, somebody has to pick up a guitar as we're reading? No. It's not what it means. But that was the original intent of what Psalms were. And all the Psalms, when we, when we look in the book of Psalms, all the Psalms were written to be sung, written to have music with them. It was a term that would have been especially familiar uh, to the Jews. Psalms were the established music of God's people, sung since the days of the Old Testament in the tabernacle and in the temple. And by the time the New Testament words, But by the time of the New Testament, the word psalm referred to the 150 psalms of the Old Testament. Paul says we are to sing the words of Scripture. The psalms anticipated the coming of Jesus Christ, and they give us an example of praising God through music. Look what Jesus said in in Luke 24. He said this. He said These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus says the Psalms spoke about him. Now we would sing these Psalms, uh, or he was calling them to sing these songs, sing these words of scripture to one another to help one another remember, understand, and keep the right perspective in their relationship with the Lord. The second is hymns. Well, oh, what are hymn? hymns? Hymns. Hymn was a term that would have been especially familiar to Gentiles at the time. In the Greek and Roman cultures, hymns were sung to the praise of heroes and to gods. People would celebrate military victories of great generals and exalt the false gods of mythology in hymns. But as the gospel spread, the church transformed the hymn into a song in praise to the one true God. When Paul spoke of singing hymns, he was encouraging the church to claim the music of the culture and use it for God's glory. Because, and that's a really cool thing to think about. Claim the music of the culture and use it for God's glory. Claim the music of the culture. You know, there was so much uh, resistance many years ago in the 1800s when a bunch of new hymns were coming on the uh, scene, and people were struggling with them because the melodies were being taken from drinking songs in the bars. What were they doing? They were claiming the music of the culture and using it for the glory of God. Because there's no evil in a melody, The, the, the message is the message. And they would take these songs and they would use them for God's glory. There's a Christian band out there, if you've never heard of them, they're called Apologetics. They're out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and these guys have been around a long time, and they take secular songs, and they redo them with Christian lyrics. And it's a really, really cool thing. They even take a song like Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne, and they turn it into something that got that can be used to glorify God. And it's uh, an interesting thing and a cool thing. The third thing that uh, he talks about are spiritual songs. And what are spiritual songs? The term spiritual songs is a generic term in Greek, meaning all kinds of songs. So we should sing psalms, uh, words of scripture. We should sing hymns, which are taking music from the culture and using it for God's glory. And then Paul says all kinds of songs, all kinds of stuff. Paul said spiritual songs, just to narrow its meaning. All kinds of songs, but spiritual songs. You see, friends, not all music is is composed for worship or should be used for worship. We live in an amazing time right now where there is so much Christian music out there. And there are so many songs that are written that are great Christian songs. But not all those songs are really designed for church and on a Sunday morning when we're worshiping God. Why? Because it, it, it's a song about God and it celebrates God, but it's not really a worship song. Do you understand what I'm saying? So uh, when we plan services and we choose music to sing as a church, we're really selective because we want that music to be something that is celebratory and is true worship. But there are a lot of amazing songs. There are wonderful songs by many Christian artists today that people listen to and that I love to listen to as well. Paul says all kinds of songs. We are to sing music that is the result of the Spirit of God working in the hearts of God's people. This is music that is intended for God's glory. Music that helps us speak truth to one another, teaching, exhorting, and encouraging one another. A particular song you may love, why? Because it speaks to your heart. It speaks to your heart and it it helps you maybe to remember something in your life or it helps you to be reminded of a truth about God that just excites you. The NIV says it this way. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You see, friends, we're to use music to teach and encourage one another. We're to use music the celebration of music, which is just an amazing gift from God, to communicate not only to our Lord, but to one another as well. Many, many years ago, the early hymns that were written for the church were written because a lot of people couldn't read the Bible. But they could sing a song and remember the words of the song, and that's why so many of the old hymns, when you look at them, they're just filled with theology. Why? Because it was a way for people to learn. And it was a way for people to remember what God's Word says. And a way for them to communicate with one another and encourage one another. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Because since we're talking about singing hymn songs and spiritual songs and and, and doing this and communicating to the Lord and to one another, maybe we should do that a little bit more. What do you think? So I'm going to ask you to stand with us. And we're going to sing a few more songs here, and I just want you to really take time as you, I, you know, I don't know how you, how you think when you listen to a worship song, do you go, oh, I don't like this song, or do you uh, take time to look at the words of a particular song and understand what those words are saying? I, I would encourage you to really, really pay attention to the words as we sing these next few songs together. you, to glorify you, to remind ourselves of who we are and all that we have in you. A reminder to one another as well. Lord, be glorified through our worship this morning.
1: You give life our love you bring light to the dark i yeah. yeah. I stand
0: for us is beyond description beyond comprehension and we praise you and we give you all honor and glory this day amen please be seated Okay, continuing on, we said that first it would be evident in our communication with one another, as as Paul said, we will sing hymns, sing to one another hymns and songs and spiritual songs, but it's also going to be evident in our communication with the Lord, okay? Look at the second part of the verse here, it says, making music to the Lord in your hearts, You see, friends, we can make music with an instrument, a guitar, a bass, a a piano, drums. Or we can make music with our voice, which we did as well. But friends, the real instrument of music and the real instrument of worship really is our heart. That's where it really comes from, right? I mean, singing these songs has a greater meaning to us because of what the songs communicate. And it makes our heart jump for joy as we are able to express in a way to the Lord our love for Him. You see, making music in our hearts also means that we offer praise to God sometimes even without making a sound. What? Yeah, we can worship God without making a sound. Just in the quietness of our heart. We can worship God with words. We can worship God with our actions. So it'll be evident in our communication with our Lord. And to continue on with that idea, it will be evident in our thankfulness to our Lord, okay? Look at verse 20 with me, if you will. It says, And you will always, and remember, Paul is talking about this is the evidence of the Spirit. You will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, We will be continually thankful for all. Let's look at some of other Paul's words. This is uh, from his letter to the church in Colossae. He says, and whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. So whatever we do, whatever we say, we are giving thanks to God. We are giving thanks to God. And Paul says that we are a representation of him. In our thanksgiving, because whenever we give thanks to God, and other people hear us give thanks to God, they go, Oh. I mean, some people may look at you and go, Well, you may be a little nuts, but that's okay. Because we know we're communicating the truth. But we give thanks to God and we let other people hear our thanksgiving. Look what it says in uh, Thessalonians. It says this: it says, Always be joyful. Boy, we could stop there, couldn't we? Always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. No matter what happens, he says, always be thankful. Our thankfulness to God should be evident in all situations, right? My wife and I do this from time to time. We'll, we'll have this little uh, uh, conversation where maybe we'll rehearse or go back over the things of the day and say, in fact, we were just doing this last, was that last night or the night before? I don't remember which. Um, Where we were, see, we... Right, we communicate so often, we can't even remember. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, we just, uh, you know, this happened today. This was good. Thank, Thank you, Lord. This happened today. That was a good thing. Thank you, God. But you know what? We also need to... Give thanks to God in all situations, regardless of our circumstances. If we can't give thanksgiving to God when things are difficult, where does that leave our faith? We're only thankful to God when things are awesome? What if you, you, you don't treat a friend that way, do you? You don't treat a friend that way where, where you only want to be with them when things are great in their life or when oh okay they're struggling oh i don't want to spend time with you cuz you're you're struggling right now and that i don't have to no we are thankful to god in all situations right because no matter what our situation or circumstance we have love peace hope and salvation through jesus christ our lord let me say that again because no matter what our situation or circumstance we have love peace hope and salvation through jesus christ That doesn't change. And that is how we give thanks to the Father. Paul even said it. Through Christ. Because no matter of our circumstances, we know that our home is secure in heaven. No matter our situation, we know that God is still sovereign. No matter what happens, we know that God is still in control and we know that this world is not our home. We have that perspective so that we can always give thanks. So it will be evident in our thanksgiving to our Lord. Here's the last one. It will be evident in our submission to one another. Uh, Why did he put that in there? It will be evident in our submission to one another. Look at verse 21 darn Paul, and forever, you will sub- and further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He had to throw in out of reverence for Christ, didn't he? Didn't he? Because he could have just said, you're going to submit to one another, You're I don't know if I want to, out of reverence for Christ. Okay. What does it mean to submit? I'm so glad you asked. Well, we're going to go back to our good friend Noah Webster and we're gonna ask him in his dictionary. His first definition is this, to yield, resign, or surrender to the power, will, or authority of another. We all like to do that, don't we? Let's see if the second definition gets better. To yield one's person to the power of another, to give up resistance. Yeah, we like to do that too, don't we? Maybe it'll get better, let's see. To yield one's opinion, to yield one's opinion to the opinion or authority of another. Noah's not helping, is he? One more definition, let's see. This might be better. To be submissive, to yield without murmuring. That guy had no idea what he was talking about, did he? <laughs> to be submissive, to yield without murmuring. Murmuring, In other words, no whining, no grumbling, no complaining, Right? which is a reflection of our heart. Because if we're doing this out of reverence for Christ, how can we do it in a grumbling way? Okay, Jesus, I really love you, so I'm going to do this. (laughs) It doesn't work that way, does it, friends? Paul says we will submit to one another. Submit to one another. Now, we're going to talk about this, this idea of submission a lot when we get into the next section. But submit to one another. Realize this too, friends, that submission also includes serving. We must be willing to serve one another. What does that mean? That means to put somebody else before yourself. That means to sacrifice your time, your energy, your resources, whatever, for someone else. It means that we never see any member of the body of Christ as beneath us. Because how can we? We're all sinners, amen? What, what right do any of us have to look down our noses at other people? Why? Because Paul said, we revere our Savior. We love Him. We admire Him. We respect Him. And we honor Him. Because of that, we must love, admire, respect and honor one another. This is the evidence of us surrendering control to the Holy Spirit, friends. This is evidence of that. This helps the body of Christ function, doesn't it? As we submit to one another. And we don't really think about that, and we don't like that word submission, and I don't like the word submission, I admit it, my fleshly side doesn't like it. And then I read Noah Webster's definitions, and I like it even less. But the truth of the matter is, Paul tells us to do something and tells us that there will be evidence of this because it doesn't come naturally. These things happen as we yield and surrender control of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and work through us. As the body of Christ, we function. A couple of things we have in common we are all sinners. Another thing is the body of Christ we have in common. We've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ and we trust Him as our Savior and Lord. And the other th- another thing that we have in common is that we are all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in us and through us, we can function as God intends a body of believers to function. And a part of that is submitting to one another. So I would encourage you that As you seek God's wisdom in your life and as God takes time to examine your life with you, and I don't know about you, but God does this to me often, that you realize and recognize those things in your life that you're not surrendering to Him. That submission thing, that kind of hit me hard as I was preparing this message. And the more I studied it, it hit me harder. But we need to remember that we are all part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we must serve, love, and submit to one another. So let's do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for today, and we thank you for your word, and I pray that you would teach all of us, especially me, what it means to submit. And I pray that you would help us to remember your words and help us to recognize and bring to our attention those things that need to change in our lives so that you may be glorified through us more. We love you, and we desire to bring glory and honor to you. So as we leave this place today, may we go in the strong name of Jesus Christ, carrying the message of your love, the message of the gospel, and declare to all that we encounter that we serve a risen Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed day.